Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Parkinson's Recovery. This is Robert Rogers. On the program today, I have selected clips from interviews I have done with a number of individuals who are true pioneers of recovery. If you are listening to Parkinson's recovery for the first time, you may be thinking to yourself, recovery, wait a minute, uh, I always thought that if a person had the symptoms of Parkinson's, it was inevitable that they would continuously get worse. Well, as it turns out, that's simply not true. And how do I know that? I know that because I interview individual after individual who give me reports of what they are doing to get relief from their symptoms. And the interviews really fall into two categories. Some individuals, and these are fewer in number at this point, actually have full relief from their symptoms. In other words, they are symptom-free. And then uh, many other individuals are getting wonderful relief from symptoms. So uh, they have still some evidence of symptoms, but the good news is that they've found one therapy or another that gives them incredible relief from their symptoms. You may be wondering, okay, is this all about promoting any one particular great program that a person can adopt to be able to heal from the symptoms of Parkinson's? And I'm here to tell you the answer to that is unequivocally no. There is no one particular approach, in my opinion, that will do the trick. There are certainly fundamentals uh, that we've identified but everybody's symptoms, as best I can determine, are really unique to them. And so the program that's going to be able to conduce to a relief of uh, symptoms and yield ultimately to full symptom relief is going to have to be tailor-made by each individual. Now, my hope for the program today is really twofold. First, my hope is that you will hear a tip, an idea, a suggestion that calls to you that you might be able to actually pursue in one way or another. So that's my first hope. My second hope, quite frankly, is that you will hear in the threads of the discussions that I have with the individuals through these clips of interviews with pioneers of recovery, the clear indication of hope. Yes, indeed, these are individuals who are getting relief from their symptoms, and yeah, it is possible to be able to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. So welcome. The first interview that I'm going to play for you is from Andrew Bentley. Now, some of the pioneers are not individuals that actually have the symptoms of Parkinson's. Some of the pioneers of recovery are individuals who are healthcare practitioners who have worked with individuals with Parkinson's and had wonderful results. Andrew Bentley is a herbalist from Lexington, Kentucky, who actually teaches for the University of Medical School, which is a highly regarded uh, medical school which trains medical doctors. I actually visited Andrew in his offices in Lexington, Kentucky, and conducted an interview to explore what people can do with regard to herbs uh, to be able to get relief from symptoms, and what types of things he suggested for people uh, that uh, he found gave good results. And I want to tell you, before I actually play this clip of the interview with Andrew, that I was uh, overwhelmed 
with what I heard. I quite frankly heard, thought I was going to hear some pretty standard information about herbs that uh, are pretty much common out there in the literature. One of them is uh, mucuna. You might have heard of that. And as it turns out, as you'll hear here in a minute, the herbs that Andrew talks about are not herbs that I had ever heard anyone discuss anywhere in the literature as something that can provide relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Andrew Bentley, herbalist. More specifically, you, I know, have seen individuals with Parkinson's. Could you talk some about your observations in dealing with individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's and how that works out from your perspective? Sure. Well, because my perspective involves more... Um, well, less focus on a specific named disease entity and more focus on what's actually going on with the person's body. So uh, in people with these symptoms, what we're usually seeing is a problem with the nervous system, uh, which can translate into various different things coming up in other systems in the body because the nervous system is kind of the one in charge, so to speak. Um, so uh, what we've got here is uh, problems with... Um, sometimes as a result of physical damage, sometimes as a result of drugs or other toxic substances, um, problems with the substantia nigra in the brain, uh, problems with the uh, production and uptake of dopamine uh, in the nervous system, uh, particularly in the central nervous system. And so my focus in terms of working with these individuals is to try and support the functioning of the nervous system and particularly the functions by which the dopamine channels work in the central nervous system. And so uh, people are always on the lookout for particular ways to do that or particular herbs that would support those kinds of systems. Uh, so what herbs in your past experience have been helpful for people who have central nervous system challenges? Okay, well, there, there are certainly a lot of them, uh, and, and exactly which ones are appropriate depends on a lot of things going on with the person, including, uh, you know, what, what sort of uh, events might have precipitated the start of the symptoms. For example, uh, sometimes you'll see Parkinsonian-type situations that are a result of trauma. Uh, other times it's, it's maybe hereditary or we don't know where it came from. Um, you know, maybe it's something that's come about as a slow process rather than something suddenly. But uh, in, in all cases, there is more or less something amounting to physical damage in the nervous system. And so there are certain things that are uh, fundamentally helpful with getting the nervous system to repair itself. Um, one of the things that I use in that capacity is an herb called bacopa, and bacopa comes to us from the traditional medicine of India, and as such, it has a very long documented history of use for uh, uh, for helping the nervous system repair itself. I use most of the herbs that I use as a, a liquid extract, and it's uh, one that I use in that that way. That that can sometimes help. Um, there are a few other herbs that that help along those same lines that help with actually physically repairing the tissue. Uh, in the nervous system. There are other ones that uh, help to change the chemistry of the nervous system. Uh, a good example of that is, um, well, barley malt extract. It's a particular type of extract made from, prepared from barley malt that contains a substance called hordenine, which has a very strong effect on the dopaminergic pathways in the brain. 
Um, and then there are some other things that might help on a more symptomatic level or help more with the peripheral nervous system, like, for example, uh, oat straw extract, which helps to calm the, the tremors that most people have. Um, valerian can also be helpful in that capacity sometimes. So uh, there, there are several different categories of herbs that, that help with different functions and different structures in the body and in the nervous system. And in each of those categories, there are, are many different herbs uh, that might, uh, might be different, uh, might be helpful depending on the particular individual. So as I understand it, it uh, really depends on what the symptoms are that are presenting that would inform what herbs you would recommend the person consider begin taking. So uh, if a person came in and, and had a dominant tremor, that would inform a certain set of herbs or maybe just one dominant herb versus if somebody came in with a dominant symptom of pain and let's say rigidity, that would inform a different recommendation of herbs. Do I understand that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It depends on the presenting symptoms as well as to some extent, um, well, which category of herbs we're, we're choosing depends on the the, uh, the presenting symptoms. Which herbs we're choosing from each category depends a lot on the body type of the particular person and uh, sort of that person's constitution and makeup. So if someone has a lot of tremors, then something that's an antispasmodic m might help more than if someone is uh, experiencing a lot of pain and rigidity. So w in which case we might might use an entirely separate type of type of things. And then there are some things that are helpful more or less across the board. For example, the the uh, barley malt extract is one that uh, actually helps with the um, levels of dopamine in the brain, which is something that is almost always a miss in Parkinson's disease because of the nature of the condition. And so that's uh, something that uh, is usually helpful. Um, but it, it, it still depends a bit on, on the person and, of course, sometimes on what other therapies the person might be using. So, for example, if someone were taking uh, dopamine or levodopa, I uh, probably would not use that herb that, that might in increase the amounts of those uh, or decrease the clearance of those uh, substances uh, because then you start seeing things and so on, which is not really the goal. Uh, so, yeah, it, it depends on a lot of different things, but, but definitely the presenting symptoms are a, a very big factor in, in choosing which herbs to use. You've been listening to a clip uh, of my interview with Andrew Bentley, who is an herbalist. My next clip is with John Coleman. He is a naturopath doctor who actually is from Australia. Uh, John falls into two categories. He actually uh, has served in the capacity of a uh, naturopath uh, physician for many individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's and helping them get relief from their symptoms. But this particular interview focuses on John's own recovery from Parkinson's. He had a very advanced stage in the mid-1990s uh, and began, quite frankly, with experimenting with lots of different things, as many of the people I interview do. Uh, and he, in this particular interview, talks about what that recovery process was really all about. Tell us about your history with Parkinson's. Well, Robert, in, in retrospect, I can tell that I had a long 
journey of developing symptoms. I actually can recognise some symptoms from my mid-teens and particularly through my 20s when I started to develop uh, an intermittent tremor and I had a lot of trouble with stiffness in my hip and back and neck and I tended to ignore these symptoms as you do when, when we're young. Uh, I went to a chiropractor occasionally but uh, most of the time I just told my body to do what I wanted it to do. I tended to be uh, a busy, uh, high achiever type person, worked uh, two or three jobs at a time, um, brought up a family, renovated a house all at the same time. Uh, but I had a number of very stressful times in my life and I know that symptoms tended to escalate there. For instance, during my older son's illness and subsequent death in 1983, uh, the separation of my first marriage, uh, I was unemployed for some time. And during these periods, I knew that the, my body was rebelling, uh, but didn't want to take any notice of physical symptoms. Uh, I was a cigarette smoker for 43 years. Now, um, that may make me seem very old, but I actually started when I was nine years old. Um, one of the things in my background is a very abusive childhood, and I tried to commit suicide when I was nine and failed. So I started smoking, and that helped build a smoke screen. But we know that Nicotine disguises the onset of Parkinson's. It, it makes it appear as if we're actually less symptomatic than we are. So when I stopped smoking in 1995 and my body lost that nicotine support, my symptoms started to escalate more quickly until in the middle of 1995, I collapsed and it was just impossible for me to ignore my body any longer. So you were in pretty bad shape in 1995 in terms of symptoms. Yes, I was. I was in a state of total meltdown. Uh, I was unable to walk more than uh, three to five metres and I needed support. Uh, I fell often. Um, I had very, very severe tremor. Um, I was not sleeping. Uh, in a lot of pain, uh, my face was frozen, I was um, dribbling from my mouth uh, uncontrollably, I was incontinent, constipated, uh, had paucity of movement, rigidity, it was difficult for me to get up from a chair, I froze, you know, I'd, I'd be walking and trying to turn a corner and I'd, I couldn't, I'd just freeze on the spot, so there were a lot of very bad things happening to me, which I realised, thinking back, had been coming on over a long time, but I'd ignored them. How did you come to the realisation that you could get better when all indications were that you would get worse? I didn't know. Um, I had no indication that I could get better what I knew was that I had to make each day better than the last because I couldn't survive the way 
I was. I So I just set about achieving something every day. Survival was a good thing each day. Because frankly, Robert, I thought I was dying. Um, as did many people around me. And I knew it was my responsibility to make a choice to fade away or to make each day better. No one else could do it for me and there was no one else around who was willing to do it for me. So I just survived each day and did the best I could and I kept journals. And over a long period of time, I started to see, reading my journals, that I was actually making improvements in my help in my health and that gave me some hope to try and make this day a bit better than the last and so on. What was your recovery like once you started on the road to recovery doing all the things that you've talked about? Did you get a little bit better every single day or there are periods of time when you actually felt worse? Well, for me it was a staggering stumbling time of recovery, discovery, loss, joyfulness, anxiety, despair, and sometimes hopelessness. Uh, I would start one thing that seemed to help, then I'd find that it didn't help. Or I would try something else that set me back. I seemed to make slow, fluctuating, but okay progress through to the mid of 1996 then I had a huge setback um, I had back spasm and uh, it, I was thrown into just incredible despair but I clawed my way back out of that and made very fluctuating progress through to the middle of 1997 uh, by that time I'd was able to speak reasonably coherently and walk reasonably well, it didn't fall too often. Um, but in the middle of 1997, again, I had a really huge setback that sent me into black despair and I really contemplated ending it all at that stage. But then uh, I eventually discovered the aquahydration formulas, bone therapy combination and I found that that supported all the other things I was doing like my daily meditation, the counselling I was having, the, the self-affirmations, my stretching and so on and so that gave me real hope and remember I'd also kept journals right through the time um, intuitively, I'd started keeping a journal uh, within a couple of weeks of my collapse. And uh, I think initially because I wanted my son to have some sort of record of this part of my life. And when I read back on my journals, I could see that no matter how stumbling and and uncertain it seemed, I actually was making some progress towards better health. That clip is from John Coleman, naturopath doctor from Australia. As you can tell, 
uh, John uh, has a voice that's very different from mine, the uh, the truth is that many people get the two of us confused, and so I get many email correspondences uh, that are actually supposed to be sent to John, and he as well gets correspondence that was actually intended for me. The reason for that is his uh, his interface on the internet is called Parkinson's Recovery Program. He has a 12-step program. That's that's his program. It's a wonderful program, but it's not my program. So many people actually get the two of us confused. Uh, I was actually first on the scene uh, three years ago with Parkinson's Recovery. The next individual uh, that I'm going to uh, play a clip from is Max, who is a strong advocate of a theme that you hear me purport day in and day out, and that is that the body can heal itself. I mean, there's a lot of things that my body was at certain stages where they have recovered from. Here's one example. At nighttime, when I'm sleeping under my covers, if I try to move my left arm under the sheets, it was like a jackhammer. I just couldn't get a smooth movement. That was maybe about six months ago. And now I I can do that. I can move my arms under my bed sheets, no problem without that jackhammer effect. And that is being unmedicated because I, I stopped taking things. Usually, I stop taking them around three o'clock. Would be my last dose. Oh. Another thing is like before I go to bed, it's like fluffing the pillow. I couldn't fluff the pillow before. <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> you know, these are all little minor things, but people who've got Parkinson's can relate to that. You know, I have no problems. Even like when I get up in the morning, I could put my socks on. And, stay, and keep my balance without hit, having to hold on to anything. Like I could stand up, stand up and put my socks on. Hallelujah. You Hallelujah. know, so there's a lot of things that I see improvements in. And I know I could be doing much, much better if I would, if I would stick to my proper diet and my exercise program and if I would be more careful about. But right now I'm giving my body a break. I'm just going for comfort food. Uh, yeah. Well, we have to take <laughs> vacations every once in a while. And that clip uh, was uh, an interview with Max. I just heard from Max uh, about three weeks ago, and in that email he said, and yes, I still am uh, feeling better uh, every week. So he is clearly on the road to recovery and one of the uh, pioneers. The next clip is from an individual whose name is Nathan Zakheim. And uh, this is a quite interesting individual who uh, had a very serious stage of Parkinson's back in the uh, 80s and uh, found his own solution to being able to have a full relief from his symptoms. So could you tell us who you are and what your story is in terms of having had Parkinson's and being my, able to recover? My name is Nathan Zakheim. Um, I was born in California in a rural atmosphere. I'm 64 years old, or my, I've passed 64 years so far, uh, and I got Parkinson's somewhere in the range of like 19, started around 1980 with what they call pre-Parkinson's symptoms. In other words, uh, one of the reasons why Parkinson's has, at least perhaps until recently, been hard to diagnose is that it, uh, the pre-Parkinson's symptoms are often misinterpreted as this, that, and the other thing. And that was, of course, in my case, too. They sent me here and they sent me there for neurology and psychology and this and that, you know, but I didn't have any, you know, after a while, the shaking told it all. But uh, so from 1980 to 1985, I was uh, developing Parkinson's, and then after 1985, I began to shake very violently for the next couple of years. 
unable to sleep. I mean, completely ruined. My business was finished. Everything was finished. Just couldn't do anything. I think I was around 40 at that time. I was born in 1943. So what happened is that I inadvertently, I was on my way to India for unrelated reasons, um, partly preparing myself to die as, uh, because I realized it was getting worse beyond imagination and I didn't know if I could go further. So I went to, was getting ready to go to India. Someone the serendipitously handed me a business card and said, go to this man, he can cure you. I didn't think much of it. But I did go to India and I spent some time there. It was a very difficult experience. Then at the very end, I, my a card fell out of my passport where I stuffed it, and I decided at the last moment to visit Dr. Mukesh Panari, and I did. Uh, I went down by train to Ahmedabad, which was excruciatingly difficult because I couldn't sit still for a moment. As I was 18-hour train ride, I was walking back and forth with all my luggage at least 100, 200, 340 times. It was just almost unbelievable. But anyhow, got there, saw him, and he looked at me and said, oh, you have Parkinson's disease. He sort of giggled and said, um, he was like 35 years old at the time, he was giggled and said, oh, this is not curable in the West. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know, inside I was like, oh, yeah, tell me something I don't know, okay? And then um, I was not very bitter at that time because of the disease. And then um, he said, but I, my medicine can cure you. He looked at me archly with a big smile on his face. I said, oh, my goodness, okay, you can cure me. So um, I, I didn't think anything of that either. So I bought some medicine, and I traveled up through, through Singapore. Yeah, I was traveling through Singapore and then Tokyo. <laughs> I didn't take the medicine. It was just agonizing. I was meeting all these celebrities and stuff like that, and I was just totally non-functional. What happened is that I uh, came back to Los Angeles, and I got a – I was supposed to take ginger juice, so I got a coffee grinder – you know, like brown coffee grinder makes, you know, one pot of coffee sort of thing. And I used that for grinding ginger and squeezing it through a cloth. And I had honey, jar of honey. I had a briefcase dedicated to all of this. Honey, coffee grinder, uh, mortar and pestle for mixing a medicine, uh, and other medicines that I had to take with milk and stuff like that. That was back then in the 80, late 86. So he gave and, you uh, different pouches of herbs to bring back? Is that what you actually physically carried back with you? I carried back little packets of medicine. With instructions on how to take them and when to take them? Oh, yes. Uh -huh. yes. Yeah, well, the, the medicine was easy. You just mix it with honey and then lick it up. The um, ginger juice was a little more difficult, but I ground up the ginger and squeezed it through a nylon cloth, so it worked fine. Uh -huh. And there were some other silver-coated pills and some digestive pills and stuff like that. And I managed it very well. And I became very, I was very strict with the diet that he gave me. I was not allowed to eat any uh, nitrate plants like potatoes and tomatoes and okra and eggplant and stuff like that. You were not able to eat those? Not able to. So I was really no green peas. I was really way down the list in terms of um, um things that I could eat. So I basically just ate kitchery, which is like mung beans, rice, vegetables, ghee, and spices, you know. Uh -huh. So I ate that for two years. 
But um, the effect was good. And, and like Linda, I began to show symptoms of improvement very, very soon after taking the medications. Meaning a day, two weeks? Oh, oh no, weeks. Weeks, uh-huh. Yeah. I began to show symptoms. And after about a year, most of the symptoms had reduced. And then after close to two years, less than two years, the symptoms were completely gone and I stopped taking the medicine. That particular clip was from Nathan Zakheim, and uh, he, uh, as he mentioned uh, uh, briefly in the interview, uh, did art restoration. I didn't know uh, exactly what he meant when I first interviewed him, but that means that he actually takes uh, masterpiece artwork from the 15th, 16th uh, century, and he restores the artwork. So, of course, that's uh, precious work. It's uh, very highly compensated. And when the symptoms began to flare, he wasn't able to do the work anymore. Now he's returned to doing the work full time. There's a clip uh, that I've uh, got posted on the uh, Parkinson's Recovery blog. Uh, that's, uh, that address is blog, B-L-O-G dot Parkinson'sRecovery.com. And uh, there's about an eight-minute interview uh, with him and his wife, who's all actually Indian. And he talks about uh, uh, the nature of his recovery with uh, the uh, physician that was of great assistance to him. I want to be sure and mention to everybody, before we run out of time in our program, that all of the uh, uh, Parkinson's recovery uh, interviews are actually archived on the member website. Uh, you can uh, acquire them by purchasing the uh, print book, or you can uh, purchase the CD series or the MP3 downloads. There are a lot of different ways you can uh, acquire the material in, in its organized form. Uh, but if you'd like to be able to get in and just hear a full interview from just one individual, you can do that by uh, getting into the member website, which actually is free until the end of the month for 30 days. Uh, so I want to be sure to mention that. It's, uh, it's a wonderful deal. So basically, you just have to go in and sign up. And uh, you, you need to put some credit card information in so you can just get in. But basically, it's free for the first 30 days. Uh, hang around. Find the interviews with the individuals that you wanted, the full interviews that you want to hear. Download them, whatever you need to do. Um, and then you can always just cancel by the end of the 30 days. And uh, that's totally free. And the access to that, I should also remember to tell you, is uh, www.parkinsonsrecovery.org, O-R-G. It's not .com. That's the main website where you can sign up for the free newsletter and get all of the other free services of the symptom tracker and the Parkinson's uh, chat room, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the uh, parkinsonsrecovery.org explains what the uh, member website is all about. The next interview I've got uh, is with Sandy, who is a, an incredible advocate of exercise. What symptoms uh, do you have? Well, uh I think the symptoms I had mostly, I have, I have a tremor in my right hand. I have a bit of a tremor in my left leg. And I, the thing that was bothering me most, I think, which caused me to start taking any medication, was I became really, really slow and clumsy, and my coordination was poor, and uh, my posture was terrible. And uh, <laughs> as my wife said, I ate with my nose on the plate, and uh, I, I was extremely frustrated by the slowness that I, my movements were so slow, and I, I was staying active, but it was just taking me forever. It took me most of an hour to uh, shave, shower, and get dressed. That's when I started taking the 
Makuna and then ultimately the Makuna with the Lotus in which has been very effective. I'm uh, much, much faster. Mm. <laughs> I'm not racing my nine-year-old grandson in any races yet, but uh, I'm a lot faster than I was. <laughs> and able to, my manual dexterity has improved dramatically. My balance is better. Uh, I'm more comfortable driving. You know, really, just about uh, every aspect that what was bothering me is, is, is dramatically improved. What are some of the other things that you do uh, that help you feel better? Well, I think my, my mantra is exercise. Uh, I work out four days a week, about an hour and a half, and then uh, I do Tai Chi and yoga and Pilates. And on the days that I'm not doing a, a workout, I try to walk at least a mile or two. Uh, and I think this, this helps. This plus uh, not giving up any activities. In other words, stay active and, and act as if you're completely normal. <laughs> I've got a, a friend who, uh, when she works out, she says, I feel like I'm normal when I'm working out. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And, and the more you can do to uh, maintain everything that you've been doing, uh, I think it helps you both physically and uh, equally important emotionally. For people who are newly diagnosed with the symptoms of Parkinson's, what would you say to them? Well, I think it's most important uh, don't act as if you have a disease. In other words, continue to do all the activities you enjoy or want to do or have to do. and. Even if, it, even if you're a little slower, uh, even if you're not as good at it, uh, I still play a little golf, which is, I never was good and I'm worse now, but, you know, just keep doing it. Just keep uh, acting, uh, feeling, uh, or living up a normal life, and uh, I think that'll help you both physically and uh, emotionally. And I think the emotional part is real important. Uh, attitude uh, comes from that, and... Uh, sort of reinforces the idea of uh, you're normal and just keep being normal. That was Sandy and uh, talking specifically about what he does to get relief from his symptoms. My approach at Parkinson's Recovery has been to talk with individuals just like Sandy and Max and some of the others that you'll shortly hear, find out from them what it is that gives them significant relief. And then what I've done is not only write books about this, but I've also designed and created that member website off of what people actually told me. Now, the next interview is with Stan, and I want to say that this, as well as all of the other interviews, were truly uh, impactful for me uh, because he uh, very much emphasizes the importance of meditation. Well, I've been recently diagnosed with Parkinson's, December 2007, and so I suppose you could say that I'm still a newcomer to Parkinson's. I had had a, quite a background in martial arts. I had black belts in karate and jiu-jitsu, both, and I've been a member of the U.S. team on various occasions traveling internationally and had a fair amount of training in meditation, in some of the healing arts. So I was oriented toward a slightly different approach to dealing with Parkinson's and coping with it men mentally myself. And so I've been trying to adapt meditative techniques to 
help me when I have an off day with Parkinson's. So what is it exactly that seems to help? It's being able to clear my, my brain, what's, what's left of it, and literally drop away from the pain and discomfort and twitching, quivering sensations. Uh, with me, my case with Parkinson's, uh, I have what's probably going to be termed central pain, and so I, I have a fair amount of, of, of pain that comes and goes, comes and goes. And just being able to distract myself and pay no, no attention to it whatsoever is very helpful. That was Stan on, uh, on uh, what he does in order to be able to get relief from his symptoms. Uh, the next interview comes uh, from uh, Toby. Uh, and I actually interviewed Toby uh, several times. Uh, this particular interview is a clip from her discussion about a visit that she made for three weeks to an institute called the Hippocrates Institute in Florida, which emphasizes the key role of a raw food diet in being able to promote health and wellness for individuals with many, many different types of chronic conditions, not just Parkinson's. Well, could you tell folks a bit about what this is all about? Well, Hippocrates is a health institute. They're not a medical facility, although they do some blood work when you show up and they do follow-up blood work when you leave, but it really isn't. You know, they believe in raw food and that food really heals the body. And so it's a vegetarian way of eating, but it's raw you know, sprouts and vegetables and nuts, uh, and juicing. Wheatgrass is a main component, and having a, 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 a juice of kale, celery, I think it's cucumber, and uh, sunflower sprouts, and maybe a few other things in that you're supposed to have twice a day. Um, and that if you eat this way, that you can cure your body. They've worked successfully with a lot of cancer patients. And I think they've worked with other diseases. Um, I'm not sure what they've done or how successful it is with Parkinson's, but it is an extremely healthy way of eating. So overall, was this a good experience? It was fabulous. It was, um, it, it, for me, it was it, not only the food part, emotional part, because it's been difficult for me dealing with Parkinson's and letting people know and the shaking. That, my biggest symptom is my shaking, the tremors. And it was very hard for me. And it's a very loving, supporting atmosphere. I, I learned as much from the guests as well as I did from the staff. And the staff are amazing. The kindest, nicest people I've ever met in my life. And the, and, and the guests were, I learned as much from them and, and they were accepting. There were no judgment. There's no, oh, my God, you have that. Oh, how terrible, you know. Um, oh, okay. Well, so what are you doing and how are you doing? You know, it was just more matter-of-fact, and there was no crying and bemoaning. And it was just an upbeat environment with a focus on eating healthy, you know, eating a certain way. So did you uh, get some relief from your symptoms? You know, I'm sort of one-track person. You know, I went there thinking, up. Oh, my shaking is going to stop. My tremor is going to stop. And everyone at home said, be careful, you know, don't set yourself up for disappointment. And the tremors didn't stop. Um, but I had gone to my neurologist when I returned, an appointment schedule, and, and a lot of my symptoms had lessened. I mean, the physical part, you know, move your fingers, do things, walking, she saw an improvement in everything. 
So I don't know, you know, I exercise a lot, I do a lot of other things. So I think it was a total package, but it certainly made a difference. That was uh, Toby on her experience, or at least a clip of my interview with her on her experience at Hippocrates, uh, which is that uh, raw food health institute in Florida uh, that I've heard from other people uh, wonderful stories about. The next clip is not from an individual who has the symptoms of Parkinson's, but from psychologist Steve Fenwick. He is, uh, in, 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 in my judgment, uh, a true innovator and a true pioneer. And uh, I basically picked his brain on how a person can get at unconscious issues that may be driving the symptoms of Parkinson's. In other words, we may be having uh, certain things happening in our bodies that we can't quite sort out mentally. How do we get at that kind of thing? Steve Fenwick, psychologist. So if we focus on, for example, the problem of shaking, let's say a hand is uh, tremoring or shaking, uh, how, what might be an interpretation possible of the shaking in the context of the person's entire life? Yeah, well, see, it's not so much that we make an interpretation with our heads. It's more like how we would work with that is we would actually have you get into the shaking, which is the exact opposite of what you normally would probably want to do. You, most people will want to inhibit that shaking because you don't like it, of course. And that's fine. But also, to find the meaning of the shaking, to experience the meaning, we would amplify the symptom, just like the guy with the feeling of the bomb in his gut, to amplify that feeling till it expressed itself, to express what it wanted to express. So um, we might have you make the shaking even bigger, go with the shaking, um, um, move it even more, shake even more. Of course, you need to do that in a way that's safe for you so you don't, you know, don't want to fall and hurt yourself, but may, you know, whether you do it sitting down or standing up, whatever works for you in a safe way to almost make it into a dance, like to really express that energy and what is that energy expressing. So there's no way to know ahead of time what it means until you experience the meaning yourself. You feel the energy within yourself and what is that telling you? That's uh, Dr. Steve Fenwick, a uh, psychologist. Uh, I really do want to introduce him to my uh, radio listening audience uh, because I'm going to have him as a guest on a future program. He is uh, truly amazing and has been doing what I consider to be a revolutionary work in being able to truly uh, figure out what can be done to help people uh, address issues that are blocking uh, their recovery from chronic disease. So that's Dr. Steve Fenwick. The next guest um, is, is a bit of an outlier. He's also a pioneer recovery. You'll uh, be able to read or hear his entire interview in the uh, Pioneers of Recovery uh, Meditations or book or however you want to access that. Uh, but this individual is named Chris Bliss. Some of you may immediately recognize his name because he's actually very famous. He's a comedian and has done performances all over the world, uh, comic performances, which end in a juggling act. Now, I, uh, I saw this uh, juggling act. Uh, it's been now about eight months ago. And I was truly mesmerized. And I noticed that watching this five or six minute juggling act put my entire body in a perfect state of balance. I mean, my hormones were balanced at the end of watching his uh, act. I, I was truly mesmerized. 
apparently it's uh, one of the most frequently watched clips on, in Internet history. And uh, so I decided, although I never uh, had met or seen uh, Chris perform, I decided to contact him and interview him and find out from him uh, what he does to be able to place his body in that incredible state of balance and harmony. Uh, and the idea that I had was that uh, if we can get insights on how he does that kind of thing in front of huge audiences, uh, it would help uh, any of us be able to maintain uh, a continuous state of hormonal balance in our own bodies. Uh, so here is a clip, uh, what I think is actually an amazing uh, clip from uh, Chris, where he gives some recommendations uh, uh, from himself about what any of us need to do in order to be able to manifest our heart's desire. Um, what practical suggestions do you have for people who are trying to live their lives in that very same space you are in when you are juggling? You know, I don't think it's practical. Uh, uh, I don't think the suggestion I would have would be practical. I think it's much more, you know, finding whatever that uh, specific meditation that, help, that helps center you in, in your entire life and not just in any various aspect of it is. Uh, for me, that's been the thing that's kept it, that's kept the chaos from flying apart into pieces, is just coming back to that one place where where you're not the most important thing in in uh, in the world, and where you're just in constant recognition of the. It's an artist place more than anything, but I'd say where you're in constant recognition of the uh, you know uh, of, of the beauty and potential of being alive. Now, people. And I know that's not very practical. I mean, it sounds like mumbo jumbo, but all the best stuff. Uh, uh, there's a great quote that I saw. I was doing a conference with uh, uh, with uh, Sir Bob Geldof in Scotland, who's uh, I don't know if you know his story, but it's pretty remarkable how he was a sort of a washed up rock star, and now he became the first Bono as far as somebody you know the first Live Aid concerts, and he was telling the story of how he got to be this person of tremendous impact in the world. And basically, it was just by putting one foot in, in front of the other and making the commitment. And he read a great quote about commitment uh, from some Scottish mountaineer named W.H. Murray, I think it was, because it's just something that I've seen take place, which is, uh, which is that once you lose the fear and make the commitment, um, providence moves with you. And all manner of, of resources and opportunities appear that, that uh, didn't exist before. So maybe that would be the practical step that I would be talking to you about, uh, or talking to your uh, 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 people about, is just that making the commitment is is uh, uh, just unleashes all sorts of things, uh, which whichever among those commitments it is, whether it's like you said to uh, um, to. Uh, uh, exercise to to diet to just being as proactive as possible in the face of uh, of uh, what uh, of Parkinson's and what people are facing. I think the uh, I think commitment is uh, just the most enormously empowering thing that I've ever. It's always been my issue in life, and I just think that that's a, it's a it's a real key. So a commitment to recover is all people need to be able to find some relief from their symptoms. I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's all people need, but I think commitment is uh, unlocks resources that weren't even apparent before. Uh -huh. And I found that in I mean, and the guy who was talking about that uh, was a guy who had just gotten the European Union to agree to twenty five billion dollars in in uh, to address the root causes of poverty in Africa, and 
15 years before, he'd been in, uh, you know, a semi-washed-up Irish rock star. All he did was make the commitment, and then the rest was up to his own personal capacity to follow that commitment. And as opportunities appeared, he deepened the commitment, and new opportunities appeared, and one feeds the other. So he had a lot of credibility when he was telling people, you know, in this case it was a conference on enlightenment. He was going, you know, it's fine to stare at your navel, but you know, make a commitment to use that knowledge. And when I spoke to those people, I, the talk that I gave was called from, from, uh, from seeker of knowledge to seeker of change. And I sort of think that that might be uh, a, a good message toward commitment in what, you're, in what you're talking about with people. It's just first they need to seek the knowledge and then implement the knowledge to seek the change, in this case in, in their own health and situation and, and in all the dynamics that support it. That's beautifully said. That was uh, an incredible uh, clip from the uh, much more full and complete interview that I did with uh, Chris Bliss, who is comedian and juggler. His uh, juggling act uh, that I put a link to on the Parkinson's Recovery website was clearly the most popular clip uh, of all. Uh, people clicked on it time and time and time again. It's really quite remarkable. And I want to announce to everyone that when I find myself in a state of fear and tizzy and anxiety, uh, I'm drawn to go back and watch Chris's uh, five-minute juggling act. It puts me right back into that state of balance. We know, and working extensively uh, with people in our Parkinson Center in Olympia, Washington, uh, that when a person is in a, in, a, in a place of stability and centeredness and, uh, and grounding, that the symptoms uh, are really not present. Uh, and uh, so it's really possible moment to moment to be able to monitor those kinds of feelings of fear and anxiety. And when you come into that place of centeredness and groundness, it's incredible what relief can emerge instantly. So you don't have to wait months or years to be able to see relief. It happens now. And that's really the work that we're doing at, at our center in, uh, in, in uh, Olympia. Uh, the idea is that uh, we're figuring out ways that people can actually uh, identify some thinking patterns, uh, some thought forms that are impediments to their ability to be able to heal, to be able to, uh, to release and clear those, and to have restorative statements uh, whereby somebody can get uh, full, and I might say uh, instantaneous uh, relief, and, and basically uh, uh, set a course on a road to recovery uh, that will sustain themselves in being able to see continued relief from uh, symptoms. So we're experimenting uh, every day. Uh, those of you who hear my weekly meditations on the member website know that I'm out there talking with individuals who are pioneers and, and figuring out all the kinds of things that are making a difference to people who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. I am hopeful that you have uh, been motivated to be able to take action. Now, one of the questions is, well, gee, uh, what can you do? Well, the first thing you can do, if you haven't already done it, is be sure to sign up for the free Parkinson's Recovery newsletter. It uh, comes out uh, basically every day, every two days, and uh, there I present to you my insights uh, that I have gathered from the interviews and from my research on the factors that contribute to the symptoms of Parkinson's and what can be done about all of that. Uh, and you'll find in the news newsletters uh, hope. Uh, because there are so many possibilities out there. I, am, I'm, I did never realize when I started this work uh, three years ago uh, how many good 
opportunities there are for being able to see uh, yourself get wonderful relief uh, from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Second, uh, there's a symptom tracker on the main website. That's parkinsonsrecovery.com. That's basically the the, uh, the focal point of, of much of the work that I do. Uh, that's going to always be free, and you can track your symptoms uh, uh, way, way, way into the future, decades and decades ahead. So you start right now, you get a baseline, and you can go in to that. It's a standard research instrument called the Parkinson's Disease Questionnaire uh, 39, and you, you answer those questions each time, and you'll be able to plot uh, your progress in terms of being able to get relief from symptoms. And that will give you wonderful uh, encouragement and motivation to continue doing the good kinds of things you're doing to be able to uh, get well. So there's symptom tracker. There's a chat room. So you can always enter the chat room. It's open all the time. And uh, hopefully tag up with other people who like to chat about what's up with you. I, I occasionally go into the chat room, uh, but typically I'm a bit involved with other kinds of commitments and uh, responsibilities. So my job basically as a researcher is to identify what's helping people, to, uh, to do the best we can to be able to document uh, that particular relief, uh, through interviews, and, uh, and, and, and I'm also moving to be able to do a much more structured uh, study where we're following 100 people uh, who are getting holistic uh, uh, help and being able to uh, see uh, how fast, how quickly uh, people can actually recover from the symptoms of Parkinson's. So you'll find in Parkinson's recovery uh, a full plate of hope uh, and lots and lots of ideas and suggestions for what you could consider doing uh, to be able to get relief from symptoms. Now, I have one final report to give you before our radio uh, program must conclude, and that is that I, uh, I typically get a, a number of uh, emails or even phone calls from individuals after my programs asking questions or needing follow-up information. And uh, I'm always very dutiful with that. I, uh, I, I feel it's very important to respond as quickly as possible uh, to the emails and to the phone calls. I'm not going to be able to do that today for a very important reason. Uh, instead of uh, being in Olympia, Washington and doing this radio program, I am actually just north of Denver, Colorado. Uh, I'm about to pick up a family and uh, travel to Casper, Wyoming. And the work there for today and tomorrow is to gather together with my brothers and my aunt and my uh, family and uh, celebrate the life of Gordon Ward, my uncle. Uh, Gordon had Parkinson's, and he died uh, three months ago. His body was willed uh, for uh, research, and that's been completed. His body has been cremated, and we will be committing his ashes uh, to rest beside his daughter who died in uh, infancy. Uh, so it, this is a, an important uh, healing journey for me as well. Uh, Gordon was, for me, uh, an incredible inspiration in my life uh, as a young person. Uh, Gordon uh, was a true uh, historian. Uh, I uh, make a confession that uh, I hadn't planned on making, but uh, I, uh, I went to Vanderbilt University uh, to, to undergraduate school, and uh, during my freshman year, I came very close to failing history. Uh, I, I made a, a very low D. I, I squeaked my way by. Uh, I, 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 quite frankly, uh, didn't get history. I, I made a D in high school. Uh, I, quite frankly, hated history because I couldn't see any sense of why it was important to uh, memorize lots of facts and, and the names of places. Gordon uh, was, in every respect, a true historian. 
And all of the times that I spent with him uh, made me realize how history really was something that could enrich our lives. Uh, for, for me, listening to him talk about history made history truly come alive. Uh, Gordon had a remarkable life in every respect. Uh, he was a, uh, a high school counselor and principal. He was a Wyoming legislator elected to the, uh, to the Congress. Uh, Gordon uh, was a college president and served uh, with great distinction uh, for many years. Uh, he had incredible talents and abilities that uh, I truly uh, always admired. Uh, he was, in many respects, a, a mentor uh, for me. Uh, a mentor of a man who knew how to focus and who knew to make a true and genuine and useful uh, contribution uh, to the world um, uh, is an is a unusual coincidence. Uh, one of my uh, uh, PhD, or I should say a doctor of education students at the University of Texas, actually went to work for Gordon at, at the college in Wyoming where he was a president. And uh, I talked with her uh, several years after her employment uh, at the uh, college and uh, asked her when she was going to be a community, uh, it wasn't a community college, it was a, it was a college uh, uh, where he was a Sheridan College uh, in Wyoming. And she said, oh, uh, she couldn't do the work that, that Gordon Dube, uh, did, but she truly loved uh, doing the work for him because he was a remarkable man. Uh, so Gordon is, uh, is an inspiration uh, for me for many reasons. He's an inspiration for me to continue chasing after with a passion everything I can do to be able to help people get relief from their symptoms. Uh, they clearly plagued him, and he wasn't, be able to, wasn't able to find anything that gave him any sustained relief. And, of course, uh, that follows up with the struggles that my own mother had with Parkinson's for many, many, many years. Uh, my commitment to my mission, uh, my... My thirst is to be able to discover what's at the root of all of this and to be able to provide continuing meaningful support to individuals who uh, also would like to be able to turn their lives around and, uh, and uh, see uh, their lives fulfilled completely and totally. Um, so that's why I do the work that I do, uh, and I'm not going to be responding to anybody here uh, immediately since uh, I'll be en route to Casper today and uh, be joining with the family members um, uh, to celebrate Gordon Ward's uh, life. Uh, so that's what's uh, up with me, and that's what's happening at Parkinson's Recovery on the shores of the Puget Sound where all the men are handsome. All the women are smart, and all the children are truly loved. No, by virtue of the fact that you're listening to this particular radio broadcast, that you are on the road to recovery. This is Robert Rogers. Good day.